gentlemen and welcome to episode 29 of the Caesar show sorry it's been a while you know just been a little busy i was out in cali for a little bit then dc so it's been a pretty hectic you know couple of weeks but i'm back at it you know um, i'm back and better than ever this episode is going to be a pretty live episode i have a special guest up on here but before i introduce this special guest you know uh, episode 28, I had my boy Jordan Pumbelly up here and, you know, he is, you know, he works with me. Um, and what's cool about this guy is, you know, he has a basketball background and, you know, he got contact to play overseas to play ball. So I'm always, you know, supporting someone who wants to follow their dreams. So hopefully he does that. Um, but enough of that, you know, episode 28, you know, we just talked about the NBA season in a nutshell as well, you know, playoff predictions, what we thought was going to go on. Obviously, you know, if you play episode 28, I was wrong. He was wrong. We had a couple things right, but a lot of shocks, a lot of twists and turns in the NBA. But aside from that, this week's episode is going to be a great episode. You know, there's already been some twists and turns up there, so I'm ready to get into it. But, you know, without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome Jamal. How you doing, C, man? Thanks for having me up here today, bro. For sure, for sure, for sure, man. You know, just tell the world, uh, you know, a little bit about yourself, and then we're going to get straight into the topics. Oh, you know about me, man. Uh, Graduated from VCU about a year ago, so I've been, you know, taking this year, you know, to figure out what I I really want to do and everything, but, you know, I used to be on the track team here, so I know a lot, a little bit about sports, but, yeah, sports is my passion, man. I can talk about sports all day, man. You know me. You know what we do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for those of you guys who don't know, he's a Cowboys fan. So by default, I don't really say I'm playing. <laughs> One day I might have an NFL little topic up here. You know, he's a Cowboys fan. But, you know, I do notice that he he's he's very aware of what's going on in the league. So I thought I'd have him up here today. You know, I promised him I'd have him up here last year uh, when I started, like, around my first to fifth episode. So it's kind of cool to, you know, how everything comes full circle. But without further ado, let's Let's get into today's hot topics. First thing I want to address is OKC's demise. Now, these guys, you know, before the season even started, when they acquired Paul George, when Melo, you know, got his contract bought out, um, we thought that they were the next super team. You know, obviously they were three ball dominant players, ISO players. That's what they're great at. But we thought, you know, with Russ constantly getting criticized, Paul George constantly getting criticized, Melo being the most criticized out of all of them. We really thought that these guys were going to come together, form this team, and do things that were great. Although they didn't have the best ideal regular season, you know, some things happened along the way. I think a key thing that happened was Andre Robertson's injury. A lot of people really don't talk about that. Um, He was their glue guy defensively has those altering plays, great cutter, you know, does all the dirty work for OKC. And I felt like his defensive presence was missed. But 
Other than that, you got three All-Stars, right? So you think you're going to do a lot. So I had expectations of them possibly going to the conference finals, yet alone the finals. I felt like if there was any team that would click in the playoffs, if there was any team within a seven-game series that would be a problem, I thought it would be them. But obviously they proved me wrong, um, and they lost 4-2 to the Utah Jazz. Uh, So the first thing I want to talk about is Russ's legacy, or not even his legacy, just Russ in general. I just feel like... With Russ, you know, a lot of people always criticize this man and say, well, he's too selfish, he's he's not a good decision maker. Whenever it's the fourth quarter, you know, this guy just doesn't perform well. Um, and I just feel like you you got to give him a pass this year. I feel like if you have a guy in Paul George and a guy in Melo who aren't there for you, you know, you have to take it upon yourself to, you know, go get the bucket. You know, those last two games they played – he averaged over. He he scored over forty points in each game. Um, obviously, Paul George came to play in Game Five, but Game Six, Paul George went two of sixteen. Melo only had what seven points. So it was just like, dude, if your teammates, if your All Stars aren't going to show up, you have to, you know, go above and beyond. And that's what I love about Russell Westbrook's game so much is he goes one hundred and ten percent every time. He has no chill. Obviously, sometimes you know emotions get in the way and that kind of you know messes up a little, uh, you know, a little of you know everything, the tension and whatnot. But at the end of the day, your teammates got to show up. So I can't blame it on him. How do you feel about this whole Russell Westbrook criticism and whatnot? Well, you know, I'm a big Russell uh, Westbrook fan. And I think a lot of the criticisms aren't necessarily fair, especially, like, when you have games like Game 6 when Paul George is going 2 of 16. Like, that's the second-best player on the team. Like, who's, who else is supposed to pass it to when you when you got Melo, who's not even been hitting all year? You know, so I don't think it's fair to criticize Russ too much because he tried, he tried his best, in my opinion. But we also have to remember that this is year one for them. So, like, the expectations – I kind of feel like are unfair because it takes teams a while to get to that point of, you know, championship caliber, not just one year. Like, what teams – how many teams have there been where you put them together one year and just say, we're going to win a championship? Boston Celtics. Rare. You know what I mean? That's rare. It happens. It's rare. So, I feel like if you want to see them at their full potential, you got to give them time if that's what they ultimately decide to do. You got to give them time to, you know, get everything clicking. Okay, yeah, I definitely agree with you. And I think another takeaway was, you know, Paul George. You know, he won it out of Indiana. Um, He got that grant. Obviously, he had to take a little side trip to OKC. But, um, you know, Paul George, he, you, I would consider him going into the season top 10 player in the NBA. If not top 10, definitely top 15. Um, And he wants his own team. Obviously, you know, when you have Russ and Melo, you have to – adjust your game a little bit, but you're essentially the second option. And it just made me think, like, he really wants to go to L.A. Like, is he even a first option anymore? Can you build around Paul George? That performance he had game six was just horrendous. Like we said, it was he was two of 16 from the field. And sometimes, you know, like a lot of people call him playoff P, and I'm just, like, reconsidering things like, dude, I think you're going to be a a, a second-option player. I, I just feel like he proved to us that when it matters the most, he shrank. And and for him to go 2 of 16 from the field and, and not help Russell Westbrook really, like, rub me the wrong way, you know, he's one of my favorite players. I love, from, I love watching him, but it just seems like 
if he's on, if he's on, he he kind of remind me of T Mac. If he off, he just be clanking, and his game looks really ugly. He just disengaged and whatnot. Um, but I don't know, man. Um, I personally think he shouldn't go to L A. I think that if he goes there, although they do have young talent, I just feel like he's going to constantly battle um, every year to you know get to the playoffs. Now, if he now now the Lakers can add another another player, um, but you're asking a lot for LeBron to jump from the East to the West um, and then be battle tested in the West. So. I personally don't think LeBron's going to go. If he goes to the West team, I don't think he's going to go to the Lakers. So if I'm Paul George, what I would do is let it be like a little domino effect. You know, let it let's see what LeBron James does first and then put your cards on the table. Because if LeBron James does go there and then he brings Paul George there with him and these young players develop um, with Ingram, you know, with Lonzo Ball, with Kuzma, you might have to get rid of Julius Randle, but if you have the best player in the world, LeBron James, who cares? If he can do that, then we've seen what LeBron James does, and we're going to talk about that a little later. You, he, he can, he, there, will be a, there will be a championship team. I think so. So it's all on him. Um, if I'm Paul George, I I probably try to give another crack at. I probably sign a two year deal with LeBron James. Be doing two year deal with a player option. The second year, I, I would definitely try to give it another run and see what you guys can do. Like Jamal said, like this is the first year. It's very very rare where you assemble an all star caliber, superstar caliber team and you guys make a run at it. Um, and a lot of things can be blamed for that, um, and we're going to talk about what's the blame about that. But how do you feel about Paul George? Oh, another thing I want to add too, I think Paul George, from a basketball standpoint, should go to the Philadelphia 76ers. I feel like with Ben Simmons being your point forward, with Embiid being that threat, with the depth they have, all they would virtually lose is JJ Redick. So why not go there? You're going to be the primary scorer. J.J. Redick in the playoffs right now is the number one scorer on his team, leading scorer on his team. So why not go there and just compete every year, um, get the ball fed to you? Because he's not like a Russell Westbrook. He he doesn't demand to score. He wants to find you. So I think that would be a good, you know, fit for him. How do you feel about the whole Paul George situation? Well, first of all, I would love for Paul Paul George to go home to L.A. (laughs) You're a Lakers fan, right? I am a Lakers fan. (laughs) And I, I want that that heir to Kobe to come out, you know. But, uh, you know, I think Paul George is a great player, man. Uh, he's definitely one of the best two-way players we got in the game. But, uh, yeah, I think that I think that the, um, he if he goes to L.A., I think that's something that would help entice LeBron to come with him. Because I think we all know that's where Paul George's heart has been this whole time. And I don't, I don't think it's been fair to OKC. Because deep down inside, Paul George just wants to ball for LA, man. That's that's what that's how I see it. Because you know, there's many been many reports of Paul George wanting to go back home, wanting to go back home. You can see it in his tone of voice when he's talking about it in interviews and everything. He he really wants to go home, man. Like you can see that. Mm-hmm. But um, like you said, I think there will be a championship team if if they could somehow get LeBron to follow. If Paul George goes first, I think he'll be the first domino. Of Paul George, and then LeBron will look at it and see what are my best options. But the um the Philly the Philly thing that's that's pretty um interesting too because that would that would be nice to have Embiid down there and then Ben Simmons and then you got Paul George two way player who can knock down a three and get his own bucket and create for himself something that 
Simmons is struggling a little bit to shoot. <laughs> so they'll they would need that player like Paul George. That would be very interesting. But I don't know what the cap situation is like. Like who else they can add around that or whatever. But oh, that, would, cap, that would be nice to see, man. But yeah, well, their cap situation essentially is they'll have about twenty, a little over twenty million dollars in free cap space, and they signed JJ Reddick to. They had they had JJ Reddick basically with a mm-hmm. an experiment. Um, so they signed him to a one year twenty million dollar deal. So they'll probably just have to get rid of him as that major contract and maybe push away someone like a Sarek or someone like a, a Covington or something like that. But they can definitely afford him next year if they don't re-sign J.J. Redick. Yeah, but then would that end their hopes for LeBron if they get Paul George? You know, who are they going to go after? Yes, that would end hopes with LeBron. But I just feel like if LeBron, and we'll talk about this later, if, if LeBron goes to Philly, sometimes I just feel like, will he stunt Ben Simmons? Yeah, I know Ben Simmons is a natural point guard, but how would that work? Would right. they do like a little situation where it's like Chris Paul and Harden where they both start the game together, but one comes out at the six-minute mark and the other you know runs with the second unit in the second quarter? Right. That, that would be interesting, but I think the problem to all of this is both Paul George and LeBron just go to L.A. <laughs> <laughs> go to L.A. You heard it here first. Jamal said go to L.A. Please um, bring back the glory days. <laughs> yeah, we'll see, man. Only time will tell. Now, with this whole Carmelo Anthony situation, Carmelo Anthony um, is one of my favorite players in the NBA. I remember that was the – he was. I think he was one of the first uh, – oh, Iverson was the first, you know, basketball shoes I had. But the mellow – was it the 3.5s? I can't remember what they were, but I was in like the third grade, and Melo was on the Nuggets, and he had uh, his signature shoe. I, I, I made sure I was like, "Mom, right, mom, please go give me that. Please go give me them joints." <laughs> She's like, "All right, you know it's gonna be my last, but you know I love you, so I'm gonna get you those shoes." So she got me those shoes. I felt like I was the most untouchable person in the world, man. Um, and it's just crazy to see Melo's, you know, body of work. You know, obviously, you know when he retires, he's gonna be a, a first ballot Hall of Famer, but it's about that time where he's almost at the end of his destination, you know, um, and I think it's safe to say now that he's past his prime, man. Um, this There was this random phenomenon last summer going into the, to the season, and correct me if I'm wrong, it was an epidemic called the hoodie mellow phenomena. And and, and with that, basically, we were like, you know what? He left the Knicks. You know, he basically wasted some of his prime years there. But I feel like he didn't really exert that much energy on the Knicks. They made him basically get knee surgery and sit out one season. And they tanked a little bit just to get Porzingis and whatnot. So I just feel like him coming to OKC, I just felt like he was going to be have that new life form. You know, just bring back that enjoyment to himself to the game I thought he was going to be that third option that you know will guarantee you at least like 18 18 to 20 points per game that wasn't the case you know this was the first year he didn't average over 20 average about 16 points a game and it just felt like all year that he really couldn't buy into being the third option now I think part of that is because of his ego um and number two like you said when it's your first year playing together it's really just doing shit on the fly, you know what I'm saying? So I feel like if he does come back, we won't see the mellow of old, but we can still see a redefined mellow. I just feel like with this year, he was doing a lot of pick and roll, pick and pop, and he just wasn't familiar with that, and he didn't want to buy into it completely. You can see he wasn't, he didn't buy into it by just seeing his facial expression when they were playing Utah Jazz. Like, he just looked disinterested in the game. Um, so I feel like what he has to do now, or the, well, even before I say what he has to do now, I think they on his on his uh, on his post game conference when they got closed out in Game Six, 
they're like, um, would you consider like coming off the he bench? Was like, no, no, <laughs> <laughs> not happening. <laughs> he's like, yeah, he's like, no. And I understand him, man. When you're at the top for so long, you don't want to go to the bench. I feel like that's just mentally demoralizing. But you mm-hmm. got to look at it like, yo, if your main, if if we know what you can bring to the table as an individual player, then your main goal at this point should be to, you know, win a ring. You know, D Way bought into it. You know what I'm saying? So why can't you do that? You know, we already know what you bring to the table, but now you just have to reevaluate yourself this offseason and be like, yo, what can I do to be the best version of myself while I'm still, you know, while I still have juice less in the tank? So um, it's just an interesting situation, man. I just feel like if he gave you at least 15, 16 points per game this this series, he definitely would have won. But I don't know, man. I think it's about that time. If Melo wants to be you, and he argued about that, he he's naturally a three. Yes, he's naturally a three, but he's so past his prime. He's so not quick with his feet that he can't guard wing players. So you have to push him to the four. Right. You know what I'm saying? So that's very, very tough. So I think now if he wants to thrive being the Melo of old, he has to come off the bench. Let him come off the bench. Let him work with that second unit. Give him those touches in the post. Let him do all them jabs and hoopla, hoopla with his footwork. Let him be him. Um, what do you think about that? Well, what I think for Melo is, like, exactly what you said. He's, like, more comfortable with the ball in his hands most of the time. He likes to give him the elbow, isolate you, you know, put you in the post. But I feel like um, now the way the game is going is more uh, three-based, like around so many threes and knocking them down that it's not really time for that one person to just, you know, iso, 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 you know, all over, you know, like the, throughout the game. So that's something he has to adjust to, I feel like, but – I don't know. He he got to find a shot, man. Like, I think his shot was a little off all year. Hoodie Mello did not come up this year, man. Like, what we saw on Instagram was false. So that was not what we were going to get this season because he was, he was buckets with the hoodie on. But, AOP, they say I'm coming off the bench this year. All right. I don't know. That, might, that might be the best option, depending on where he's at, though. It, it depends on where he's at. Like, we don't know what he's going to do with his player option yet. So we'll see. But, um, I don't know, man. I, I had high hopes, high hopes for Melo before the season, and he kind of, he kind of disappointed me, man. Like it was some people hating on Melo before the year, and I, I was disagreeing with them. But after seeing what I saw, especially in this last playoff series, I might have to start agreeing with him, man. Melo's definitely on his decline right now. Wash like Melo, you know. <laughs> in case you ever listen to this, you're not washed, but you play a little washed. <laughs> you're, you're falling down a little bit, man. A little bit. You need to get back up. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> man, but you know, just transitioning into this, you know, like there were a lot of things you could take away from it. Now, one thing I do want to address is if you look at game six, man, OKC could have easily turned this series around, man. I just feel like that last minute was some BS. Um, I think they got like the possession like five, six straight times, but there was a possession where Paul George got fouled. There was a possession where Russell Westbrook went to the went to the rack and got fouled. Russell Westbrook tried to shoot a couple threes. PG shot a couple threes, but there was one sequence when I saw when they were down three points. Paul George comes around the pick and roll, goes around, catches the ball. Rudy Gobert switches on him. He pump fakes and he jumps and plunges into Rudy Gobert. And with NBA standards, you know. That's a foul. That's a foul. And they didn't call the foul, which makes it me... It twice. It happened twice, <laughs> which makes me think, like, did the NBA know that 
just how we said, you know, the Pelicans were a bad matchup for, you know, for uh, uh, the for no, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. The Blazers were a bad matchup for the Pelicans. Did the NBA know that OKC, if they figured it out, and because I feel like if they went to game, if they would have went to over, Paul George would have made all three of them three, all three of them free throws. Let's be real. Yeah. Then they would have went to overtime, right? Um, and then I feel like if they won that game, they would have definitely closed it out game seven. And I feel like Melo would have been destined to have some signature game. And it's crazy signature games to me for him is at least 15 points now. But um, I just feel like I feel like the NBA kind of rigged that last moments. And I feel like they knew that they really want Houston and Golden State to be on that collision course. That's my mm-hmm. little conspiracy take on it. Um, but that was just an awful call. Obviously, you know, a, a few things could be argued. You can argue that if Westbrook didn't take it upon himself to quote-unquote, shut Ricky Rubio down game three. None of this would have happened. Um, got him in foul trouble, disrupted the whole momentum and the flow of the game. A lot of people argued that that was a blame. I think, personally, they got outcoached. Um, how do you feel about Billy Donovan, man? I think he should get fired. Billy Donovan is horrible. Like, like we said before, it's very, very difficult for any team – to be assembled in one year and have the success that they were looking for, which was a championship. And Billy Donovan, to me, seemed like he did nothing to help it easier on them to mesh. Like, they, their offense is stagnant, no movement constantly. It's just hero ball, all right, your turn, all right, your turn, your turn, all year. Like, it just happened all year. So I'm like, yo, Billy Donovan, what are you doing, man? you just just there to look nice in your suit and tie, man. <laughs> like, I don't get him sometimes, bro. Like... Yeah, I agree with you. He got to go, bro. <laughs> yeah, I just feel like if if you had another coach, they definitely would have a different system intact. In um, you know, he did a few different adjustments. Um, he he, you know, made Melo go to the bench. You know, mm-hmm. Melo's defense is that bad, so <laughs> he did a good adjustment there. But I just feel like it was too much. ISO ball. It feels like there's no true system intact, and I don't know if it's because of, in part of, is Russ so demanding, so high maintenance that you can't really do what you want to do fully? Do you need a, a guy like David Fitz? I mean, Scott, is it David Fitzdale? David Fitzdale or like a Mark Jackson to come and sort of tame him down a little bit? Um, I don't know what it is, honestly, man, but he definitely got out coached. Um, and I'm thinking, OKC, even when they had Scott Brooks. Um, transition to Billy Donovan, they really didn't have a system intact. It was just, yo, I'm going to get my superstars. They're going to get their bucket. If they get double team, we're going to kick it out. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Find an open man. Find an open man. <laughs> and, and that necessarily doesn't always work. You know right. what I'm saying? And my proposition was this. I like Budenhoser. He's the you know former Hawks coach. He's a player that's you know, a coach that's been under Greg Popovich wing. And I just feel like if you implement a certain system with Russ at this day and age, he's going to buy into it. And I think he just gets the best out of his players itself. How do you feel about that? Um, yeah, I, I think uh, definitely uh, somebody that can definitely implement a system for Russ that he will buy into. Like, I agree with that. Uh, I like the, Mike, the uh, Mark Jackson thing. I think that'd be very interesting for them to look at, but uh, Budenholzer, yeah, he was uh, under Pop, and they did have some good years in Atlanta. And, you know, I think he could 
implement a system close to something that with the Spurs were do like were, were able to do. I'm not saying like it'd be exactly like that, but I think that he's learned enough from Pop to figure out how to uh, help Russ limit some of his mistakes because you know the ball will move more and it's not all just on his shoulders. Like I said, no movement, just like everybody staring, looking at Russ. Like, what are you gonna do? You know what I mean? So, yeah, but. I think I think that Mark Jackson choice would probably be a little bit better because I feel like his his voice would be a little bit stronger to, to rest and he'll get a little bit more you know respect from him somebody like Mark Jackson I feel like for sure for sure for sure you want a coach who can get the best out of their players in the sense that when your star player gets out of the game and they've built that lead already they they can sustain that lead I just felt like every time when Russell Westbrook went out the game runs were made. You know, the plays, there just weren't enough plays being executed. It was just, it literally felt like I just saw a team, you know, coming to a local gym and just assembling a squad, just doing whatever. You know what I'm saying? So so they definitely have some things to take care of. Um, I want to spend like a minute on Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell averaged 29 points per game in his first round playoff matchup as a rookie and it just makes you think who is really the rookie of the year man this is just the craziest race i've seen in such a long time man props to him um he he's great man and and i was arguing our group message um (laughs) the other day i was like how old is he do you know how old he is i'm pretty sure he's like 20 21 something like that when did D when did D Wade come into the league? Mm, I don't when he was know. like twenty one. He's been in Marquette for three years, right? Yeah, something like that. He's like twenty one, twenty two. I said sure. now maybe you guys might criticize me, but I said he's on pace. Now I'm not talking about the rings. I'm just talking about as far as productivity with points per game. He's on pace to be better at D Wade at scoring, man. He kind of reminds me of D Wade a little bit, and he's slightly a better shooter. Obviously, you know D Wade is the third best shooting guard of all time and whatnot. But I feel like if it's if he, I feel like you can go nowhere but up with here. You know, what I'm saying obviously if you if you get like another All Star on your team, your 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 productivity is going to go down. But if the team is built around him for a long time, mm-hmm. I think he can be up there with you know one of the greats. Yeah, I like Donovan Mitchell, man. This that kid, he's gonna be special. I think uh, this last series, and like especially, he showed everybody that he's a special talent, and he got the attention of a lot of people. So if he can, if he can be consistent, and he doesn't like have like any kind of like, you know, sophomore slump or fall off, and he just be consistent with what he's doing, and he can do this year in and year out, then hey. I mean, I I wouldn't be surprised if he ended up passing D Wade, but that's a big task, bro. That's D Wade, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know. I don't know. We gotta we gotta wait and see with that. But I don't know. I definitely like what I saw from Donovan Mitchell. I would definitely not be surprised if he ended up edging out Ben Simmons for rookie of the year. But uh, yeah, I like his game, man. That, that kid can hoop. I was surprised that he showed up like that first first round series, man. He was not scared. He just embraced the moment, and that's what you look for in a in a rising young star, man. You want somebody who who's comfortable with being in that position. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I'm I'm excited to see what he can do for his career. Like that was that was very uh, you know mind blowing what he did, man. For sure, for sure. Moving on to the next topic. LeBron James, LeBron James, LeBron James found some way 
with his trash ass team. This is the worst team since this is the worst team he had since 2007 when he got swept by my Spurs, by the way. Shout out to my San Antonio Spurs. But this is the worst team I think he's ever had, uh, you know, since two, 2007. Um, and he found some way, he found some way to put the team on his back. And they won in seven games. And like, if you if you went into the this series, you'd be like, all right. Obviously, with some with you know, with LeBron James, since he's so great, he's like, oh, if there's any play to do it, it's LeBron James. And it was it came to the point where I was like, yes, I personally believe in LeBron James, but I don't believe in his team. So I had him struggling to get past the series, but I always had my my doubts and what is, especially when I saw Game One when they got waxed by like twenty plus points. I was like, yo, man, if it continues to be like this, like, he has no chance. But he did the impossible, man. He averaged 34 points per game, 10 assists, 8 rebounds. um, And he shot 81% from the free throw line. Um, He played out of of his mind, you know. Then there was some crazy stats saying that out of this whole playoffs this year, the Cavs were the only team where – Another player besides their star player didn't score twenty at least twenty points. Um, that just shows you how great this man is. He had to slow the pace down. Essentially, it was like iso ball. I'm gonna do a pick and roll, or you, or you gonna get out of my way. I'm gonna, I'm gonna find a way to get to my bucket. If I get trapped in the box, I'm gonna kick it out. Um, and you guys just follow my lead. So it was just great seeing this man, you know, ball in, you know, night in night out. Um, and you know, kudos to him, man. Um, I just, I'm, 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 I'm just at, at all. I'm just at loss for words. Like, he's truly gonna go down as one of the best players. How do you feel about LeBron James' performance, man? Man, I feel like LeBron. He did some amazing things in that first round series. Like, we're not used to seeing that that amount of greatness come from LeBron in the first round because usually it's like a cakewalk for him. You know what I'm saying? But Yo, he did what he had to do, man. He putting on like he he's definitely putting on notice, like like yo he he's here, man. Like he's not going down without a fight. But where's the supporting cast, man? Like Kevin Love, where you at, bro? Like I don't think Kevin Love. What you said, like you said, the stat nobody scored twenty points. Like Kevin Love, bro, you, you're supposed to be second best player in the team, man. The worst number two option, maybe of all time. This year, at least, yes, I have to say that. Like, and then. I don't know. They might be in trouble next series if they don't get that help from the supporting cast. But you can never count on LeBron, you know, because you know it's LeBron James. But man, nobody scored twenty points. Jr., where you at, man? Like, who shot Jr.? Right. Like, <laughs> yeah, he he definitely got to find some help. I, I'm interested to see what Clarkson can do after experiencing his first playoff round ever. Hopefully he can turn it around. That's the case for like a couple of them, you know. Larry Nance, maybe he shows up next round with some with some key plays and um, you know protecting the rim and everything. But I don't know, man. I don't like what I saw from everybody outside of LeBron from the Cavs. Like it looks kind of scary. Like who expected the Pacers to push them to seven games? Like shout out to uh, Victor Oladipo, man. He balled out. He he definitely let us know that uh, he's gonna be a force to be reckoned with in the East in the coming years, but um, yeah, LeBron, he's been hooping, bro. Like, if he can keep this up, I don't know, man. He might have one of the best postseasons of all time, in my opinion. For sure, man. Um, 
And it's crazy how everyone says, like, yo, you he could be MVP every year. Yo, he literally should be MVP every year. You can have a guy like James Harden who goes, I can't really, this isn't accurate at all, um, but I think there was one game when they played Minnesota. He shot, like, 6 of 20 from the field, yet they still won by 20 points. If ah. LeBron even scores, like, 40 points, his team only wins by, like, one to three points. Like, when you take this man from this squad, his team's a lottery team. You know, when you take James Harden from that squad, they still have Chris Paul, they still have D'Antoni, they still have the supplementary pieces around Chris Paul to thrive, that these guys would be a, probably a top four, top five seed. Right. Um, and it's crazy with LeBron James, you put him on any given team, he will bring them to the playoffs and possibly to the finals. Like, he's that great, man. Um, and I just feel like a lot of people don't really appreciate it. And I just feel like it's not until he leaves the game, his presence will truly be felt, man. Mm -hmm. And I think if he can win, you know, just two more rings, who cares if he gets to six? I think he can be better than MJ. Because if you look at LeBron James' body of work, obviously he had two All-Stars to win the chip. Who didn't have multiple All-Stars to win the chip? But you got a player like Michael Jordan who's been in – he didn't really win until Phil Jackson got there. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. He had one of the best coaches. Um, he had a right system. He played in a triangle offense. And I just feel like with LeBron James, he's never had a great coach to begin with. Who do you have? Mike Brown, David Blatt, Tyron Lue. Uh, who else did he have? Eric Spolster was solid, but he wasn't really proven yet. Like I said, he did have D. Wade and Chris Boss on his squad. But you had someone who's never had that true coach. Um you know, who's went to what? Is this going to be his ninth or tenth straight year going to the finals? Maybe his eighth. Eighth year? I think it might be his eighth. Eighth year, yeah. Kobe won in 2010. And then yeah. he's in 11, 12, 13, yeah, 14, 15, 16, 17. Yeah, if he goes this year, this will be his eighth straight year to the finals. Um, you got a guy who leads his team basically damn near all the time in points, rebound, and assists. Like, what more can you ask for, man? Like, what more can you ask for now? And now as... as <clears throat> Going into this next round, like I don't, I don't even know, man. Like, I'm a betting man at times, but I can't really bet against LeBron. Like, you, you, you've done this great so far. Why not? You know, Russell Westbrook slogan. Why not? But I just feel like I think he's. I don't think he's gonna go seven. If he, if they win this series, I don't think they're gonna go seven games. Um, I just feel like the NBA playoffs are all about matchups, and when that, you know, when the game gets slowed down. We're going to see what Kyle Ari and, and DeMar DeRozan true colors are. I just call them guys Burt and Ernie um, mm -hmm. from like Sesame Street. I just feel like when it comes to LeBron James, they're just mentally not there. Maybe they're going to prove me wrong this year, but until I see them physically do it, I don't know. But the key factor, what it might be is the Raptors have reconstructed their team this year. They can legit play 10 players deep. Yeah. Um, they implemented a whole different system where everyone, you know, the ball's flowing, everyone gets a touch and whatnot. And it's like they don't have to rely on their superstars. So maybe their bench could just, you know, outdo LeBron's bench. But only time will tell, you know what I'm saying? Rodney Hood got over that hurdle. George, I mean, uh, what's his name? George Hill got over that hurdle. Larry Nance Jr. got over that hurdle. Jordan Clarkson got over that hurdle. So like, like Jamal said, these guys have finally got that monkey off their back, you know what I'm saying? So now they may be more comfortable. So 
I think now we may see a better Cleveland Cavaliers team play. Um, I definitely go with that starting lineup that they had in Game Seven with Tristan Thompson back there. I think, you know, you got to go if you got to go with your playoff experience and see what happens from there. But um, like I said, man, I'm all in for LeBron James. At least this round, I got him. You know, winning in six. Six. Uh, I I can I can see six. Seven, seven's a possibility too, but that you know that like you said, it depends on. For, for me, what is Kyle Lowry gonna do? I know Demar Derozan is gonna show up, but it's been far too many times I've seen Kyle Lowry just disappear, and <laughs> I don't know, man. You can't do that against LeBron James, and then like you said, you never know. Like that team can click. You know they had a wake up call in round one. They were close to going home. Some somebody might wake up and click. You never know who it's gonna be. Hopefully it's Kevin Love because he has the most ability, in my opinion, to you know be an instant impact at least on the offensive side of the floor. But I don't know. It, it comes down to Kyle Lowry to me, man. If he can, if he can ball out and help Demar, then I feel like it'll be a, a tough, a tough series for the Cavs. But the one thing that Toronto doesn't have that's the King, man, and I, it's hard to go against him, man. He he is definitely out there playing chess against these guys like every night, you know. Like he's like he's the best player on the floor every night. You can just see it. I don't see him I don't see them having any counter for LeBron James, man. Like I don't know. He's he's that great, bro. <laughs> yeah, you're right. And you know, some of these uh shooters been streaky. Rodney Hood's been streaky. Kevin Love's been streaky. Um, who's the other shooter? Jeff Smith's been streaky. So yeah. it could be this series where everything starts to fire in all cylinders. So, you know, anything could happen. But Kyle Lowry, he might just have a good series because Kyrie Irving, he doesn't have to worry about guarding Kyrie Irving. True. I think he can contain George Hill. I think he can contain a George, uh, Jose Cotteron. So I think he wins that point up point guard matchup there. But like I said, at this point, it's going to just be all mental. So we're going to see what he got to do. I don't really mean to backtrack, but like Jamal said, get props to Oladipo, man. You know, I thought, you know, last year when he played with Russ, he just looked washed and looked lost and disengaged out there. But obviously he learned something from Russell Westbrook. I feel like if he – didn't get traded, he would have worked out with Russell Westbrook and worked on his body regardless. So they're going to be ready to go. Mm-hmm. He just took his game to another level. He's going to he, first year All Star, um, probably going to be most improved player. If you'd have told me the Indiana Pacers would have been the five seed this year, I would have probably looked what? at you and smacked you upside the head. Like, <laughs> props to them, man. Oladipo, they actually were better this year than they were last year with Paul George. Um, and I was arguing with one of my friends, uh, you know, you can say this year, this season, Oladipo was, had a better season than Paul George. You know what I'm saying? You can argue he's better than Paul George right now. And I know Paul George looking at that like, yo, like, I got to get back to the gym. And that's what I like about Oladipo, man. He saw what it meant to be great. Mm-hmm. And he went out and executed and even playing LeBron James seven times in the in the regular season, I think a total of ten times this year or eleven times this year, he saw another glimpse of that. And 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 just his poise, his demeanor in the post game conferences, you can tell he wants to be great. Um, they literally leaked the screenshot between him and his trainer, and he literally texted him right after they lost. He was like, "Yo, like." When can we when can we go at it again? Like what's next? Um, so just seeing that fire and desire in his eyes, man. If they can recruit some players over there and develop those players, and the players take his lead, man. 
Pacers could be, you know, I'm not saying they're going to be, you know, a top two team or whatever, but they can definitely, you know, always be competitive, um, you know, like a Portland or something like that. So props up, props to Oladipo, man. Props to him, man. Um, moving on from there, man. Rockets versus Utah, man. Um, I don't really have that much to say about this. You know, they won game one, 110 to 96. Normally, you know, when a team like the Rockets have been off for so long, um, you think they'll be out of rhythm, out of whack, but they prove why they're still the best team in the league. Um, and I just think against Utah, I think the Rockets play more team ball, more free-flowing, better three-point shooters as opposed to OKC. And I feel like Capella just is a better matchup as opposed to Adams against Gobert. Um, I just feel like the Rockets' depth is too much. Um, I think they're just a little bit more athletic. And the fact that Ricky Rubio's hamstring is messed up, he may be out of the whole series. So I just feel like they're not going to have that floor general and you're going to ask Donovan Mitchell to do even more. Um, And I just feel like D'Antoni's a better coach, whether I like it or not. Um, And you got the MVP and James Harden, who's a top five player in this league. I just feel like I think they're going to sweep him. If anything, a gentleman sweep, but I think they're going to sweep him. There's not that much to say about this. How you feel about it? Um, I'm willing to give Utah one game at home. That's that's what I think they can get. Like like you said, I think it's just James Harden. He's too much. You know, he's a premier player. He's probably gonna win his first MVP, which a lot of people think is long past due by now. <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't I don't see Utah having any answer for. James Harden, let alone the abundance of three-point shooters they have put around this man, which is pretty scary because, obviously, you know, they were preparing for Golden State. And I think that Donovan Mitchell is not going to be able to recreate the same first-round magic he did against the um, Thunder. So, I don't know. I'm going to give him one game just because I like how Utah plays at home. But, yeah, this game, this series is definitely not going past five games. I don't think. I don't see it. Now now you are right. Utah is a different animal at home. And I heard that crowd be so disrespectful, man. Disrespectful. Like, Russ was, Russ was mad about that. Apparently, they were talking about not only his wife, but his son and, and all this other nonsense, racial slurs. So, that's not cool. Mm-hmm. You just got those certain people, you know, on that side of town who will just never want to, you know, get acclimated to 2018. Like, come on, man. Like, you don't you don't have to do all that. I get that you can heckle and whatnot, but when you attack someone's manhood, that's just not right. And I agree with Russell Westbrook. The league has to take notice about that. So that's definitely going to be something that's going to be brought up this offseason. But like I said, man. Who knows, man? Maybe the Rockets players, when they go into that hostile environment, they may be mentally checked out based on that crowd's energy. So you're right. They could, you know, the Rockets could go up 2-0 and then lose two straight. But I just feel like CP3 and I just feel like James Harden got something to prove this year. You can see they're hungry. Mm-hmm. CP3, knock on wood, is on pace to go to his first conference finals. Yeah. Um, and it's just going to be interesting, man. Moving on from that, man. Boston versus Philly. Uh, Game one happened the other night. Philly lost 117-101 by Boston. Terry Rozier is looking like a poor man's Kyrie Irving. (laughs) I'm just like, yo. He's been balling. He's been balling. Homie came into the game with a Drew Bledsoe jersey on. Bruce balling. He's feeling himself right now, definitely. (laughs) Oh, I had had an at uh, uh, Bledsoe and be like, yo, like, yo, like. He came into the series against the uh, who they play the Bucks. He yep. came into the series against the Bucks. I mean, he's on the Bucks. He came into the series, you know, with the Bucks playing the Celtics. And one of the reporters asked him, like, 
how he feel about Terry Rozier, and he said, "Who the fuck is that?" Basically, right. like, who? You can't disrespect this man. It's time to finally put some respect on his name. Um, and I think you know this is gonna go to seven games, man. Um, obviously, they got blown out. And one takeaway I'll say is Philly won four. Did they win four one? Um, Philly won four one. Yeah, I think they just yeah they only Miami Heat won game two and then after that like and B came back and then and the rest is history. But Philly won. I mean Philly was off for such a long time. I just feel like Boston Celtics still had that momentum, so I just felt like Philly was out of whack. Um, and I'm just pulling up their stats right now. Honestly, Philly was top one of the best three point shooting teams in their win streak. If you look at yesterday, they were five of twenty six from the field. So they had a nineteen percent three point percentage. That's not gonna happen again. Um and I just feel like, you know, they have two of the best players on their team. Put two of the best players in the series with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. So I feel like, you know, obviously they're a little lackadaisical, but I think they're going to turn things around. But um, like I said, it is going to go seven games. I just feel like Brad Stevens is the better coach. Brad Stevens is on that Popovich level. He doesn't have a ring yet, but he's on that Popovich level where no matter who's out on the floor, they will always have a way or a chance to win the game. So one thing that I am a little nervous about is, if you look at last series, like Ben Simmons kind of chilled on defense. He didn't really have no wing player that's going to go at him. Right. Now that you have Jason Tatum and, you know, you got Brown, um, that's going to be kind of tough. You're going to have to ex- actually play defense and exert a lot of energy, man. Um, and they're kind of sagging off of him a little bit, forcing them to, you know, be a shooter. Um, so it's just crazy, and, and, and it's a little crazy. I saw that. You know, last season, normally Eric Baines is in the pick and roll, but they had him in the corner a lot. So mm-hmm. Joel Embiid really couldn't protect the rim like that. He had to, you know, go, you know, towards the corner. So it's just interesting to see what's going to unfold. I feel like it's going to just go back and forth, back and forth every game. And whoever steals that first road game, I think is going to win that series. How do you feel about the whole situation? Um. Yeah, I can agree with whoever um, steals the first row game is going to be in control of the series, definitely. But um, I gotta I gotta go with Philly on this one, just because, like you said, I think that they were just a little rusty from sitting at home for so long. But who they like? They have they. I think they're premier players. They they have two of the premier players right now while Boston is missing. Uh, a couple of theirs, so that's gonna go against them. Unless you know, unless it's a Terry Rozier's coming out party and he's showing everybody like, hey, I'm I'm gonna be somebody in this league too. Cause like you said, a lot of us were you know kind of down down to my feel like kind of like Blessed was trying to do him like, who's that? <laughs> but I don't know. This last series and this last game especially, he showed us that hey, what he's been doing this season filling for Kyrie, that's been real, man. So it's hard it's hard to um, ignore that, but. I don't know. I think I think at the at the end of the day, Embiid and Simmons might be a little bit too much for them. That, that's what I think. I, I think this is a, a little bit different monster than the Bucks, who have proven to just always not reach their potential year in and year out. That we always seem to be claiming is coming soon. But I don't, I don't know. Like uh, the the Sixers, they definitely have some experience on the side with Bellinelli and. Uh, you know, Reddit got a little bit of playoff experience, and they're shooters, so they'll they'll show up. So, like you said, that nineteen percent that's that's not happening again. I think I think they'll they'll do um a lot better than that in the upcoming games. But I don't know. It's just we got to see how how is Ben Simmons going to respond to taking a, a game one loss. That's that's how I'm looking at it. 
Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So, ladies and gentlemen, tune in for game two. That's going to happen pretty soon. Um, even moving on from there, <clears throat> last but not least, Warrior, it Warriors, Warriors versus Pelicans. Um, so, you know, the Pelicans swept the Blazers convincingly. Obviously, it was a mismatch nightmare. Um, Drew Holiday, uh, you know, strapping up, uh, what's his name, Damian Lillard and, you know, Rondo, playoff Rondo coming back into effect and having the best player with Anthony Davis. You really don't have no chance with that. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I went going into the series thinking that the Pelicans would probably take them seven games, but I may have to pull away from that. Um, Steph Curry comes back tonight. Um, even before that game one, they won one twenty three one hundred one. It could be another case that the fact that they swept them, they were out of rhythm. I feel like since I don't really think that Portland was a true three seed. If you look at it, Kawhi Leonard was hurt. They're definitely gonna be a, a two or three seed. Jimmy Butler tore his meniscus. They were already the three seed. So I just feel like a lot of things worked in the Blazers' favor, and I feel like they weren't really a real three seed. So I felt like when the Pelicans played them. You know, it was just a mismatch everywhere. And I just feel like because they played such a weak team in the Blazers, they didn't really get to match to see where they were at. So I feel like the rep I feel like the Warriors playing the Pelicans, that was kind of an off representation, but not really at the same time. Um, it's kind of sad that Steph Curry isn't back yet and they won by that much, but I just feel like Obviously, Drew Holiday is going to get his bucket. Damon Lillard and McCollum don't play no damn defense. Now, you have a player like Klay Thompson who's guarding Drew Holiday. Um, and you have, like, the average player on the starting five, I think is like 6'7". That's a little, you know, length advantage that the Warriors have. So, um, it's going to be interesting, man. I think when Steph Curry comes back tonight, they could take advantage of this game just because Steph Curry has to get, you know, acclimated into the system and whatnot. But... Shooters going to shoot, man. So they have – if they don't steal this game tonight, I think the series is over and they're probably going to lose 4-1. But I don't know. I think oh, the Warriors have too much firepower. And, you know, we've been kind of sleeping them and putting them under the rug for a little bit because so, we despise them so much. But how you feel about this matchup, man? Man, I would, I would love to see Anthony Davis uh, shock the world and take out the Warriors, but – I don't think it's going to happen. I got the Warriors winning in probably about five or six games. But I don't know. To me, it all depends on really, like, what's Rondo going to do? Because I feel like Rondo's going to have a couple moments in this series where he's going to get definitely under somebody's skin, whether it be um, Steph Curry or maybe Klay Thompson or some whoever he's guarding. He's definitely going to get somebody under somebody's skin because that's, that's what Rondo does, and he shows up. But – I just don't think they have enough offense, man. Like they they're really gonna miss Boogie. I think yeah. I think that if they had Boogie, then this series would look a lot different because of the size advantage that they would have with those exactly. two seven footers. Both of them exactly. can shoot threes. Boogie was getting triple doubles before he got hurt. They're gonna miss that about him. Like but then again, at the same time, they move a little bit better with him off the floor. But I, I don't know. I think I think they would definitely be in better shape if they had Boogie. And the Warriors just have too many offensive weapons, and they have KD, second best player in the yeah, world. And their bench, <laughs> and their bench is just better. Like, yeah. I can't even really name a player right now off of the Pelicans bench. Me neither. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I was just playing. But. 
you know, you got you got Sean Livingston, you got Andre Iguodala, you know, you got JaVel McGee. Who else they got? They got uh, what's it? got Swaggy P. Swaggy P. You know he's gonna get some buckets. Zaza Pachulia. I mean, you got some you got some weapons out there, man. And like you said, I just feel like that offense is gonna be too much with the Warriors. You have to match them offensively. Mm-hmm. Um, I personally think. Boogie is better with them. Um, obviously, they do move a little bit faster, but in the playoff, you know, the game gets slowed down. Um, and I think with that size advantage, Boogie and AD could have did some serious damage, got them in foul trouble, um, and they were going to thrive. So who knows, man? But I got Warriors. TBD, um, asterisk, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and the Pelicans lose tonight, 4-1 Warriors. All right. If they if they if they win tonight, maybe maybe it goes six games. But like I said, the Warriors got too much offensive power. I think for them, um, I think Draymond Draymond Green was right when he made a statement earlier in the playoffs. He was saying people forgot what they can do, and I think that's a little true because you know they got banged up towards the end of the, end of the year. They already had their playoff uh, seating locked, so they didn't really have anything to play for for the last month. And a lot of people are looking at what they did the last month and like saying that oh man they're vulnerable, but I don't know. I think Draymond's right. We kind of forgot what they can do. They haven't been healthy together in a while. So if they can get that clicking and running, I think they're going to be dangerous once again, which is going to be scary. But I don't. I don't know. We got to wait and see. But yeah, six. I'm saying this series probably six games. Uh, Anthony Davis probably get the Pelicans two games just because he's that great of a talent. He can do so many different things on the floor. But yeah, it's it's over in six. <laughs> Yep, ladies and gentlemen, you heard it here first, man. But with that being said, man, Jamal, it was a pleasure having you on this uh, episode, man. It was truly great. You know, I feel like every episode is just more and more enticing. So uh, definitely, you know, props to you being out here. You know, when we go to video soon, don't worry. I'll make sure you get up on the episode yeah, thanks, again. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me up here. It was definitely fun. We definitely have to do this again. And, yeah, man, keep going, man. I'm proud of you of everything that you've been doing lately. Stay focused, man. And just know, bro, you can do whatever you want, man. You can be whatever you want to be, bro. Just keep grinding out here, man. More of the story. You heard it here. Wise words from Jamal. Keep grinding. Do what you love. Don't cheat the game, and the game will reward you back, man. So, like I said, I think we are on to something, man. Exactly. We are. <laughs> but, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for listening to episode 29 of the Seize Us Show. Uh, make sure to subscribe to me on Twitter and Instagram and all forms of social media at Sir Seizus. That's S-I-R-S-E-E-Z-U-S. I'm available on iTunes Podcast Connect and SoundCloud. Just look me up. You're not going to be, you know, you're not going to be disappointed. I think this is a pretty great, uh, you know, podcast. So uh, definitely support, share, subscribe, you know, and, you know, rate and comment. We out.